Thank you, Captain. Let's take our Bible and go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3, we're taking this interruption from our small groups to uh, be once again in a large group. And we know the benefit of the small groups, or at least uh, I, I may take for granted that we know um, our those who have been around for a while know. And in the service, it is uh, morning service 1030 and 5 o'clock at night and, and then 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. It's by and large a preaching time and it is confronting with truth and there is not necessarily feedback. There's no other dialogue. It is a time of preaching and God has chosen that. And there is a command in 2 Timothy 4 to preach the word. But Sunday school hour, we've chosen to put the emphasis upon the connecting aspect. And there is a fellowshipping dynamic that is important. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible speaks of the early church and that they were a fellowshipping church. Well, the fellowshipping doesn't just take place uh, at a buffet or a dinner on the ground or uh, aren't you thankful we don't do dinner on the ground um, you know, that's back in the old days, and, and I don't think many of you have let your food get close to the ground, doesn't make it that far. Uh, it just, uh, it's, it's a term of fellowshipping in our mind. That's how we fellowship. We eat, we fellowship. And the, the, the idea of Bible fellowship is a lot deeper. And then there are certain things that, that we do have that allows for fellowshipping time and Sunday School Bible Hour, Bible Fellowship Time is that aspect of sitting in a, at a table where you're looking at each other versus in a service you're looking at the back of someone's head, but you're ultimately focusing on the preaching that takes place. And so we were thankful for that, but we're stepping away as we're finishing out this progression as it fits our theme, experiencing God in my heart and in my home, but it fits the theme of the Bible. God wants to be known. He knows you and he wants you to know him. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, notice in verse number 15, Paul writes, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. It's a powerful statement. And if there's a verse perhaps that needs to be emphasized in churches today, in Bible colleges, in seminary, for preachers, it'd be this. Helping people know how to behave in the house of God. I want us to see this morning as we're looking at this matter in light of experiencing God, the context of the church, this matter of belonging. People attend church, but only certain ones belong. There's a difference between attending and belonging. Belonging is part of the membership aspect. There were those who were belonging to the early church and their lives were at stake. So it was not a, a trivial thing to belong to a church, to be identified but that's God's desire and God's will. And so this morning, in this context of experiencing God, I want us to see the blessings of belonging. I want to point out five things, and there won't be any slides. You just have to do it the old-fashioned way. 
and uh, you have to listen and write. But um, number one, belonging, it helps you focus on God. It does help you to focus on God, one of the purposes of the church. Number two, it helps you handle life's problems. If you have life, you'll have problems. And the Bible says man is born of a woman of few days and full of problems. And church can help with that. Not by giving you what you want, but equipping you with what you need to handle life's problems. Number three, belonging helps you grow in your faith and walk with God. Number four, belonging helps you discover your ministry. And number five, belonging helps you fulfill your purpose. Did you get that? All right, we're done. You're dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. Now we're going to get after it here. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, you don't need to turn there. I intended for us to look there. We're looking at 1 Peter on Sunday morning. We'll be there in just a little while. And there are Peter's encouraging believers who have been persecuted for their faith in God. Remember, they're living in the Roman uh, shadow, the, the time in which worshiping Christ meant that you stand a good chance of being persecuted. You stand a good chance of being in prison and even killed. To go to church, you are being marked. You didn't go to church because you had nothing else going on. It's easy to knock people out of going to church. Someone just shows up at your house, oh, okay, I won't go to church today. Well, you do that long enough, the devil knows, I just keep sending more people to your house. Well, great weather, don't get a lot of great weather. Maybe this might be my only day in the next couple weeks to do some yard work. I might want to get this done. Well, the devil knows based upon your response to God as to what would trip you up. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus died for all the world, but the Bible tells us in Acts, the book of Acts chapter number 20, that he shed his blood for the church. The church is a big deal to God. It's, it's called his bride. He's the head of it. This is his body. And so being born again, Peter's emphasized, being saved is a privilege. Being part of God's family is a privilege. Being part of a fellowship called the church is a privilege because fellowship is an important part of the believer's life. And there in verse number 15 that we read of 1 Timothy 3, Paul talked about the church is to be the guardian, the Sebastian of truth. The church is to be the support and the foundation for truth. When the church fails to uphold the foundation of truth in society, as Captain was alluding to, people say, what difference does it make? What difference does faith in God really make? For even the church has let down its guard. See, when a church allows God's presence and God's activity to be expressed, then a watching world will be drawn to Him. That's what, what this is about. We're not here 
because we have nothing else to do on a weekend. We're not here because you're lacking things to put on your plate. We're here ultimately because we're saying we have met God. God has found us. He saved our soul. And then when he saved us, he didn't save us just to take us to heaven or we would have gone to heaven the moment we got saved. He saved us now to come together wearing one jersey, the team of Jesus Christ. And God has established local churches. He started the first one. It was his first group. The first group of disciples was the church that Jesus started and he has been expanding that and they've been starting other churches and all throughout the book of Acts in the New Testament written to different churches that all came out of the one church and for the last 2,000 years he's been about this matter of God's people recognizing God's big picture for their life. It's not just so we can get to heaven. It's to be a part of what he calls the church. Why? Because the church is how God gets things done in this day and age in which we live. Can you be saved and not be a part of the church? Not be a member of a New Testament Bible-believing church. Can you be saved and not be a member of a church? Sure. But you'll just go to heaven second class. Why not go in first class? Why not go the way God said it ought to be when he called those first church members, those disciples? He just said, follow me. So for you to get saved and decide, I'm going to follow him my way, you're not following the God of the Bible. This isn't you making a sandwich your way. This is you recognizing you didn't create your life. You didn't work out the plan of salvation. You don't have a corner on the market of heaven. And our responsibility is to follow him. And God says, I'm not going to let you have to wonder how to do it. I'm going to give you a book. It's a wonderful book. It's his guide plan for our life. And in that guide plan, he's given to us a church a concept of church. Man would not have figured it out that way. Religion is what man has come up with. The church is what Jesus Christ himself established. And the Bible says that Jesus promised he would build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if I were you, I'd get off the side of the devil, the gates of hell, and I'd get on the side of God and become a part of the church. Now someone says... I haven't seen a church that doesn't have its problems. Well, sure. Of course it has problems. Because there are people. Never seen a marriage that didn't have problems, but God instituted that one. And God says that what he's put together, let no man put asunder. But there are problems. Only two people. You know, if you decide not to get married, you've got just as many problems as a marriage and as a church because you carry the problem with you. You say, I take offense at that. Well, good. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, we've got to recognize there's no perfect church. I haven't found a perfect restaurant. Neither have you, but you're going to go to one anyway. 
There's not a perfect bank, but you're going to use them. We make excuses like that, and the argument is not against the church. It's, the, it's against the head of the church, the founder. Nobody can say they love God and not be for his bride. You insult certain men's bride in here, your face will be rearranged. And, 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 and you're quite a hypocrite to say, I love God, but you're not really for his bride. No, it's his body, it's his bride, he's the head, it's all about him. Now the Bible refers to the church in many different ways. A building refers to it as a body, but one of the dynamics is a family. Galatians and Ephesians, he refers to uh, the household of faith, the household of God, a family. The truth is, Canaan Baptist Church is not just a church body, it's a family. And that is one of the highest senses in all the New Testament of what I believe the church to be. It's a, it's a family. See, when one member of a family hurts, every member of the family is to be concerned. The, the family of the church of the living God, verse number 15, he talks about the house of God, which is the church of the living God. In Ephesians 2 and verse 19, it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Again, he's referring to the concept of a family. So today we're talking about the importance of family fellowship. Fellowship is an unshakable truth that is provided through the church by God in uncertain times. Aren't you glad that no matter what happens, no matter how the wind blows, no matter what the radicals do, that you have a divine family to belong to? You have a family that you meet with? Dysfunctional? Sure, yeah. But it's a family. It's a family that God put together. You have a family that doesn't change. Now, members can can change, but the family dynamic doesn't because it was God's idea. You have a family, that family is always there for you to comfort, to stand by, to put arms around you, to love and care for you. That's the family of God. And, and he speaks there of belonging in God's household with other Christians. Now, if you're a Christian, you belong to God's family part of the family of God, but, but God doesn't want you just to be saved. Saved is the beginning. Again, we compare it so often, and I get it because the Bible makes the comparison. Getting saved, I say, is like getting married. When a couple gets married, they then have the opportunity to legally spend their life dwelling together as one. They can be married legally and go their separate ways. One take their honeymoon one place, the other take their honeymoon somewhere else, and they just check in with one another from time to time. That doesn't make sense. 
And when people get saved, it's like getting married. It's the beginning. It's not the end. And, and God says, now come together because we're one with God. And God says, I am going to govern and work through in these 2,000 years through the church. The church, when Israel as a nation, as a people... They rejected God. Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. He set them aside. He didn't wash his hands with them. He's not done with them. And he's just set them aside. And he's working now through the church. He's working through Jews and Gentiles. For what reason? So that the power of the gospel can still save the very ones that he chose to work through the nation of Israel. And one day he's going to rapture the church and, and then he's going to pick back up with the nation of Israel and Israel is going to see their Messiah, the one that they had been looking for for so long and they had overlooked and missed. I'm saying the church is a very special, special dynamic. How, how can the church family equip me for life? What do we need the church for anyway? Why can't I just be, as Captain mentioned, a lone ranger Christian? Why the church? My faith in Jesus is personal. So what difference does it make if I belong to the church? Well, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. You don't have to turn there, but you might want to jot it down. While Jesus was talking to the people, behold, the Bible says his Mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. And someone said to Jesus in Matthew 12, 47, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. Now let me ask you, did Jesus have a real mother? Yes. So when Mother's Day came around, he had, he had a mommy. And did he have brethren? Did he have brothers? Yes. And so one of them said, your mom and your brothers are outside. They want to talk to you. In Matthew 12, 48, the Bible says, can we get it on the screen? That'd be good for them to see this. He answered and said unto uh, to, to this one that told him about his mother and his brothers being there. In verse 28, Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brethren? And verse 49, he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. Now, he gives the same, Mark talks about the same incident as well. And the Bible is telling us that they're, they're looking at Jesus and they're thinking he's mad. They're thinking he's crazy. He's gotten a heat stroke. He's not thinking right. And they said, your, your mom and your brothers are outside. They're waiting to talk to you. And Jesus said, who is my mom? Who are my brothers? And he looks over to Peter and said, there's my mom. Imagine what Pe Peter's already heard. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now he hears, that's my mom. And no wonder these disciples had some issues with, with one another. Which one of you is he talking to that's being girly? Um, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all trying to figure out, what, what is he talking about? Well, he answers his statement. He explains in verse 50. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, 
the same is my brother and sister and mother. See, Jesus is saying that I'm closer to these men than some of the blood relatives I have here upon earth. Why? Because the goal of the church is not to be a spiritual country club or civic center or recreation department or social good center for the community. The church is the place to fulfill the will of the Father. And Jesus said, this is my family. Do you know why the church has a more um, enduring and endearing bond than just blood relatives? Because your blood, my blood, could not wash our sins away, but the blood of Jesus does. And it was Jesus' blood that was shed for the church when he said, those men. That's my mother and that's my brother and those are my sisters because they are here following me to do the will of my Father. And His blood was shed for those and you and, and those who have chosen to follow Jesus by way of the church. And so when it comes to this matter of the Christian life, have you been saved? Well, if you have, get all in. Go on the honeymoon of the Christian life with Jesus. You're going to go to heaven someday, but why wait till someday to enjoy Jesus when you can enjoy Him now? You say, well, I am enjoy I, I can read my Bible. I can pray. Sure you can. And there are a lot of people who have experienced marriage and are missing benefits of the marriage because they are not getting all in and ex exercising the platform, the vehicle, the institution of marriage the way God designed it to be. And God is the one who came up with the family. God is the one who came up with the home. And God is the one who came up with the government. I mean, just say what makes the New Testament church Unique. Canaan Baptist Church is a New Testament church. It's unique. Why is the New Testament church so unique? Well, let me just give you six things here. Number one, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, God's dwelling place. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Number two, it has the scriptural authority to baptize and observe the Lord's Supper. Matthew 28.19. 1 Corinthians 11.17-20. By the way, uh, the, the ordinances... As that I mentioned, Lord's Supper and baptism, they were not given to Christianity. They were given to the church. They were given to the church. Uh, and people think, well, as long as I'm saved, I should be able to um, baptize whoever I want to baptize. As long as I'm saved, I should be able to take the Lord's Supper. They weren't given to Christianity. They were given to the church. Number three, the church, as we saw, 1 Timothy 3.15, is the pillar and ground of the, tr uh, the, the truth. Number four, the church is the storehouse for God's money called the tithe. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. Well-known people, well-known preachers have preached. It doesn't matter where you send your tithe to as long as you're giving a tenth. Well, God makes it very clear. The storehouse is God's church. Listen, there are other what we call parachurch organizations, a missions department, a Bible college, a camp, a children's home, and other ministries. They're ministries helping the cause of Christ, but they are not the church. You say, do you ever give to those? Well, yes, but I'm going to give to them 
through the church because the church is the storehouse for God's people to give and especially and particularly the church. Number five, the church is God's evangelistic agency. Mark 16, Acts 1, Acts 13. You know what that, the significance there would be? Is that the authority when it comes to this matter of soul winning and, and, and preaching the gospel is through the church. I was preaching in Pennsylvania a number of years ago in a revival meeting and I went soul winning with the pastor and a couple men from the church and I just preached on the church and gave my testimony how God after years in evangelism, helped me understand the significance of church. And when I was out, the pastor put that a particular man with me, and he says, you know, I've gone soul winning every week for a number of years with the pastor. He said, but this is the first time, this is the first time ever that I realized the significance and the importance of going soul winning. It's not just because God said go soul winning. It's because I'm a part of the church and the church's whole mission is to talk about the one who's its head, the one who gave life to it, the one who started it. The whole matter of the church is the agency of evangelism. And number six, along with that, it's the church that has the keys of the kingdom. In other words, it is God's soul winning agency. So the New Testament, it begins with the church. It ends with the church. So how is it that we can be helped in belonging to the church? What are the blessings of belonging? Let me give these to you. And um, we'll wrap it up. Number one, again, church family helps you focus on God. It helps you focus on God. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. You don't get that, you're going to struggle with the rest of the Christian aspect of living. I'm doing all these things. But if you're not loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you're going to struggle in the other areas. Because God says it all comes down to this. The church will help you focus on God. I submit to you that coming together and worshiping the Lord, it helps us focus on God. It's a challenge to focus on God many times when you work every day in the kinds of places some of you may work. It's a challenge to focus on God with all the problems in life, with all the hurts and all the challenges that you face, perhaps physically. It's a challenge to focus on God. So we come together as God's family and we focus on Him. No matter what's going on out there, we're family. We're a family called the church that helps us focus on God. We focus on loving the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Listen to this verse, Psalm 34 and verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name. Do you know what the next word says? Together. From the very first history of God's people, they had corporate worship where they gathered together. You know, they had a tabernacle in the wilderness and later on they had a temple where God's people would come together. Now we have the church and the psalmist said, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
You can exalt his name by yourself in the prayer closet. You can exalt his name in your own Bible study and devotion. But here's something that's powerful because it helps you focus on God when you're with others who are also focusing on God. So he says, let's, let's exalt his name together. I have never known. Now, I'm sure it exists. I'm just saying I've never known a spirit-filled, victorious, soul-winning, Bible-believing, Christ-honoring believer who is not a part of God's family called the church. I've known a lot of good people who are not a part of God's family called the church. I've known people who've done good things who are not a part of God's family, but I've never known a person who really honored Christ in their life who loved them with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, who are not a part of God's family. So the church family, it'll help you focus on God. Secondly, the blessing of belonging is that fellowship with God's family will help you handle life's problems. Handle life's problems. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 10 who died for us, that is Jesus, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And that's our purpose in being here today, to live together with him. Jesus died for us so that we can live together with him. He's not talking about heaven there. He's talking about where two or three are gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst. See, being a part of God's family and Christian fellowship means helping us handle life's problems by encouraging us, each of us, as we're living together with him. 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, he talks about God's people being like a happy family, a, a big happy family full of sympathy towards each other, loving one another with tender hearts, humble minds. You know, there should never be any intimidation when you come together in the fellowship of the church. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You may go out in the world and in the world there may be upper class and upper middle class and middle class and lower middle class and lower class and the subculture of the lower class and the sub-subcultures of the subcultures. But in the church there's only one class. It's his disciples. So when we come together in the church we come many different walks of life, many different classes of people, different colors, different uh, ethnicities, but if we're saved, we all have been saved by the same one for the same purpose and we come together part of the same body. In other words, we should come together with a non-judgmental spirit of one another being sympathetic, understanding toward one another, but for the purpose of helping us handle life's problems by pointing people to the one who says nothing's too hard for him. All right, Galatians 6 and verse 2 is another great verse for that. Number three, the church family equips you for life because it helps you grow in your walk with God. Grow in your walk with God. Let me ask you, since you've been saved, how much have you grown? How's your walk with God? How much have you grown this year? 
Hebrews 6 and verse 1, the writer says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. That's the mindset. Going and growing. The songwriter wrote, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining Every day. See, the purpose of the church family is to help us grow. Ephesians 3 and verse 10, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Brother Davidson preached on this on that Wednesday night of revival meeting. Listen, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. See, God has intended that now, not through the country club, that now, not through civic organizations, that now, not through parachurch ministries, but now through the church. It's the church. Number next. Number four. How will the church family equip you for life? Well, it'll help you discover your ministry. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. 4, verse 12, the perfecting of the saints. 4, the work of the ministry. 4, the edifying of the body of Christ. This is a great proof text for a lot of things. One is a great proof text for church. Because this is how God equips his people. And he points out that God has given evangel. He talks about the apostles and the prophets. The apostles and prophets primarily used in the Old Testament and the early part of the New Testament. But when the word of God was completed, it no longer needed the... Uh, the, the authentication by these, uh, these sign gifts that were often used by the apostles and prophets. And so then he replaced the apostles and prophets with the pastors and teachers and evangelists who were there primarily. Their ministry is for edification. And the edification is to help us in the equipping aspect so that we can grow in our relationship with the Lord and be effective in ministry. And so the church is a place for equipping. That's why I say that as a church member, your responsibility uh, is to seek to please the Lord, whatever you want to use, however you want, you want to package that. But it, it requires equipping. And how long should you be equipped? He tells us in the next verse, verse number 13, till we all come into perfection. We all are unified in this matter of spiritual completeness. Well, that's not going to happen until we get to heaven, so we're going to need the church until we get to heaven. And so the preachers that God has given, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are not given to do the work of the ministry, but to equip God's people so God's people can do the work of the ministry. God has a ministry for every one of us. Every single person has a ministry. Every one of us is called a minister. 
Ephesians 2 and verse 20 talks about the, the building and Jesus being the chief cornerstone. So God has a ministry for everybody. I believe everybody needs a not only church family, but they need a ministry. Well, how do they determine the ministry? Well, through the ones that God has given to equip. The evangelist, pastor, and teacher that will help because the evangelist, pastor, and teacher are given to help in the equipping process. It will help you discover your ministry. I've had people dictate to me what their ministry would be. Well, the problem with that is that's kind of what Peter and John and, and, and uh, James were kind of doing as well. I think I should sit on the right hand. I think I should sit. I think I should do this. Why does he get to do that? And what you'll find every single time is they never got a promotion in ministry. But Jesus did carve out places where they could take another towel and wash somebody else's feet until they learned that, that Christ came, Mark 10, 45, not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Let me ask you, how dirty is your towel? How dirty is your servant's towel? The smallest member has a place. And that's what makes a church complete, is the contribution of every member. One of my greatest joys is to observe how many of you have found a place of ministry? And when I hear how you're doing, and it thrills my heart because that's what the church is supposed to do. God didn't save you to sit and sour and soak. He saved you to serve. You might have come to church and wondered, why, what can I do? I don't think I'm a teacher. I don't think I, I have one of these jobs. I don't know what my gift is. But when you experience God... One of the things that he'll do is he'll put desires within your heart. Desires that you would have never had had you not been experiencing God. Now, again, there's no such thing in Christianity as a lone ranger mentality. I don't need the church. But there's also no such thing as being in the church saying, I don't need to be told what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if I want to fold bulletins, I'm going to fold it my way. And if I'm going to uh, make coffee, I'm going to make it my way. Now, you'll be kicked out of the church over making coffee your way. I'll just put you on notice there. That's, yeah. That, we don't even vote on that one. That just ain't going to happen. But, you know, that, that, that it's, the problem isn't the action of those things. The problem is the mindset. I don't even say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I, as, as a husband... I'm the head of my home. That doesn't mean I do what I want to do. It means I get to do what he tells us to do. And I have to lead us in doing it. As a pastor of the church, the, the, one of the great things about leadership that people misunderstand is that they think leadership is I get to decide. No, leadership means you get to live with the decisions that you decide. And one of the reasons God says not to tap into a novice, one hasn't, that hasn't proven himself in these areas, is because he's not able to live with the decisions that he's made because he's bailed out here. He's bailed out there. He's not stuck it through here. He's not learned the lesson here. And now you put him over 
people whose lives are really fragile and sheep who tend to go their own way, and what will he do? He'll bail out on them as well. And God says, those aren't your sheep. These are not my sheep. This is not my church. This is his church. And leadership is about saying, God, what will thou have us to do? And being able to live with that, believing God led us here, and let's stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now let's go forward and watch the salvation of the Lord, whatever he tells us to do. All right, let me give you this one. We've got to get done here. Number five, the purpose of the church, the benefit of belonging, the blessings of belonging is the church can help you fulfill your purpose. It can help you fulfill your life's purpose. Acts 20, verse 24. Paul says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Listen, life is worth nothing unless I use my life for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love for them. Paul said the only thing that makes life worth living is what I do for God and His glory. You may not be a missionary like Paul, but you might be the person who's able to give. You give tithes and offerings. You're faithful in giving so that a preacher can go to other parts of the world. The Bible tells us that how can a person hear without a preacher? And how can the preacher get there unless they be sent? And so God uses church to help in that giving context. You know, when you're fulfilling your mission, you have peace of heart, mind, a sense that your life is worthwhile, that your life is counting for something. John the Baptist died in a jail cell. He had doubts. Just before he died, and John the Baptist, Jesus said, there's none born of woman greater than John the Baptist. Man, what an award. That beats any Heisman trophy anyone has ever got. But John the Baptist even wondered, did I miss it? How am I finishing my life here? And he got his head chopped off. He, he, he was missing it for a period of time because he had a, a little bit of a brain freeze, a little bit of a fog about what mattered most, what his purpose in life was. How did we find John the Baptist starting out? Uh, he was just a witness. Some were coming to hear John the Baptist, the great John the Baptist, and one day John the Baptist looked up and he saw Jesus. He said, excuse me, sir, can you just step aside a moment? Excuse me, ma'am, just, just, just step over there. Look, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's the purpose of you being here. That's the reason God created you. That's the reason God saved you. 
Don't be content in just having a wedding than doing it your own thing, your own way. Don't be content with just getting saved. Get all in. See the blessings of belonging and allow God to show you the purpose of why He put you here upon this earth. You can be involved in a prayer ministry. There are some of you that pray for your pastor, and I am so thankful for that. You make a difference knowing that there are people who are praying. Listen, I've got a, one of the, 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 the busiest, the hardest schedule this upcoming year of preaching and ministering to other places outside of here. Nothing takes the, the priority or the precedence of Canaan Baptist Church. But God has filled in some other cracks and crevices with others where there are needs. And, um, and I've put off some churches for years, years. And, and, and I, I'm just saying, um, they, they can only tell me so many times, Brother Ingram, I think the rapture is going to take place and uh, this may be the last year. And so I said, well, if the rapture takes place, Brother Cherry's available and he will be glad to step in. And they, and they, and they just said, no, we can't do that. I, I, they're, they're, I appreciate all prayer. I appreciate you praying for our staff. Our staff works so hard. Our staff works hard. We have school staff that works hard. Our school staff works extremely hard. And, and they don't do it for the pay, I'll tell you that. It's hard to pay them when, when parents don't pay, and so it's, uh, it's pretty tough. I'm going to send school staff on vacation with you family members whose kids are in the school, and uh, maybe they at least get some kind of enjoyment, satisfaction, <laughs> Well, I don't think, uh, they, they're not for that one, but uh, I just, they're, they're doing what they do because they love Jesus and they love making a difference. You know why we have the school? It's not open enrollment because we're trying to reach the community through the school. We're going to do that through the church. The school is to help equip your children, the children of this church for the cause of Jesus Christ. There's nothing bigger, there's nothing better that I could think of being a part of in this day and age, these last 2,000 years, that that which Jesus is the head, it's his body, it's his bride, it's called the church. And I'm thankful for a staff who sees the importance of the church. And God has grown the staff. And then we've got staff that work in the school and church. And, um, and, and while the school is church, but I mean, they're stepping over and they're doing things and, and there's no day off. Our, our staff is just the way it is. We just don't have, we don't have a day off. It's not the way it ought to be. Dr. Childs preaches to me enough about that. And, and, and he's right. And, and it has to happen. They're only going to make it so long. Brother Cherry is going to die before he gets to 50. So we're going to celebrate his 50th birthday here in the next year or so because they can't make it this, this way. But the reason why they're working as hard as they are and Captain LeBee has been breathing fall festival and living it and breathing it literally this whole year, beginning of January, and has been working on this, it's because they love the church. And it's not because it's a good organization. It's because this is where God has chosen to work through this day and age. It's the church of the living God. Very thankful for our staff and do ask that you pray. Now listen, it's hard to focus on God without the church. It's hard to face life's problems without the church. 
It's hard to grow in your faith without the church. It's hard to discover your ministry without the church. It's hard to fulfill your mission and purpose without the church. Get in. Get all in. Jesus did, so why don't you? Let's stand together, please.